0: Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to FoxriverChristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Good morning. How are you all doing? Yeah, good. Well, my husband is preaching his heart out in Brooklyn right now, and I'm here with you, and I'm going to have cheese curds again today. So who's winning? Me. It's good to be with you guys. I know some of you may be wondering, who is this woman? Well, how about I tell you a little bit about myself before I get into the word of God. I am a, a mom of four amazing human beings, which I believe we have a picture of. Can I show you them? They are the best. And uh, there they are, all amazing, 14, 12, 11, 7, Three were born in Sydney, Australia, which I'll tell you a little bit of that story because my hot husband, Paul, was born in Sydney, Australia. So he's got the accent, and I'm very happy about it. Although it's going away, so I need to send him back over to, like, get it back again. But these are my people, and I love them so much. My eldest is in high school. He's 14 and 6 foot. Like, what the heck? How do that is the craziest thing. Like, over a year, he just shot up. And then my two middle kiddos are in middle school. And then my youngest is in elementary school. So Zeke, Jesse, Finley is my daughter, and Sam. And Sam is the only American born child that we have. And he is the only one that can be the president of the United States. So just, you know. um, But they are amazing, and I'm so proud of them. And they all ride the subway to school. How crazy is that? Except for the youngest one. I walk him to school. He's in elementary school. How does that make you guys feel? Do you feel great about that? I put trackers in them, and it's it's awesome. I'm kidding. I, I didn't. Thank God for iPhones, though. So even though some parents are like, we don't do phones yet, I kind of have to with lots of locks on it. I watch everything they do. So uh, it's great. But um, I'm going to pray before I get into the word of God this morning. And I'm going to share a little bit of my story. And hopefully we can walk through some process together. And the word will equip and activate you this morning to do something with what I believe God is giving you this morning. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. I thank you for the gathering place that is your church. And all across the world today, in the underground church to the church that is above ground where we can worship freely, Lord, we come to glorify you. We come to be equipped by you, to learn from you, to be activated by you to be the saints that will go out of these doors and do the work of ministry in our spheres of influence. So will you awaken something in us today, something maybe that's lying dormant? Will you begin process in us in something today, something that has been lying dormant? We just ask that you would continue to do a good work in every single one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, the very quick story is that I I grew up in Spokane, Washington gave my life to Jesus at 19 moved to Sydney Australia because why wouldn't you when you're in your you know early 20s? And then I'm like, I'm marrying an American football player. And along comes a worship-leading, preaching man where I'm like, you are not what I pictured. So um, we fell in love and we got married and lived in Australia for 10 years, had our first three kids there. And I had three kids under the age of three. And it was one of the most blurry times of my life. Anybody else have, like, kids? Like, we were like, bam, bam, bam. Like, you just had kids. And you're like, what happened? Um so we had three kids under the age of 3 and then there it's a long story but we had Uh, we had this passion for New York City, and we knew that we were being called to move there to plant a church, and almost 10 years ago now, we moved to New York City, we planted one community, and then we planted another community, and we have four communities in the city now, and four outside of New York City, and my husband and I pastor and oversee our communities and our community pastors together, and it is such an honor and privilege to be in this post-Christian city um, that we live in, where people are like, you do what? Why? Why? Jesus, who? And so it's very raw and real living the gospel there, leading a friend of mine across the table to Jesus a couple of months ago after years of doing life together and her just watching, going, I think this is actually what I'm longing for in my life. But people are a little bit standoffish. And maybe even that's the world we live in today, right, the Western church. This is where we maybe find ourselves is people are like, that's nice for you. But it's not just about church. It's about this life. Of following Jesus and what does that look like? You know, um, like I said, I, I grew up in Spokane, Washington and I actually grew up in a religious cult. Okay, now you hear that word, you're like, wow, your mind is pinging everywhere, right? Now, I don't have necessarily time to tell you the whole story and I'll probably write a book one day, maybe in the future. My parents are like, please, you tell the story, we don't want to. But, you know, my parents got caught up in something. They were these young hippies that got saved and and fell into this really horrible situation that I actually ended up growing up in. My father, oh, man... <laughs> He was, all of the men in this cult that I grew up in were completely emasculated and they had no voice. And the leader took advantage of the women and hurt them. And I had discernment from a young age and was like, this guy's crazy. I don't like church and I don't like the Lord. And so therefore, I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and ruin my own life and I am going to step away from the church. And so I just lived my own way for many, many years. And when I turned 19, I went away to college, and at that time, my parents decided to step away from what we grew up in. When I came back for spring break, my dad, for the very first time that I can remember, I longed to have my dad present in my life. But I understand now and have great compassion for him. I have great restoration in my relationship with my parents. There was a lot of brokenness growing up for all of us kids we all really loved each other but there was a lot of mess. Anybody relate to mess in family? All of us? <laughs> Everyone's like, "Do we raise our hand?" Or <laughs> So my family's here. <laughs> um, so I mean, right? This is life. And so uh, I remember coming back though from this spring break and for the first time my father was in this place where he was he was like kind of telling me what he wanted me to do and I was like, "Yeah, tell me, Dad." Because my whole life, he just, he didn't know how to be there for me because of his own pain. And so he said, hey, Andy, we're going to this new church and I want you to come. I was like, you can keep church to yourself. He's like, no, I want you to come. And I was like, fine. But I was like, I kind of like this. I like you telling me what you would like. You know, it was this moment for me. And I remember showing up in this church. My life had been such a mess and my view of God such a mess. It was like, well, if that's the institution, I don't want to be a part of that institution. It was a mess. It was a mess. But I remember walking in through these doors. And it was another imperfect church because they all are. But we walked in. It wasn't a cult though. So uh, <laughs> walked into this church and they were singing this song. It was 21 years ago, you guys. They were singing this song, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. Do you guys remember that song? Anyone remember that? Anyone, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. Literally over and over again And for the first time. I remember walking into this room and being overwhelmed by the love of God. This love that I had been searching for. This love, like I was looking for love literally in all the wrong places and trying to get it from men and people that would acknowledge me and see me. And I walk into the presence of God and this is the love. This is actually the love that I have been longing for, that I have been looking for in imperfect people. And I remember the pastor said, if you want to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand. And I was the awkward person who stood up out of my seat and ran to the front. And they're like, security? No, I'm just kidding. But... But you know what I mean? I was like, this is all I wanted. This is all I want. I remember going up to the front sobbing and just going, God, I, I don't even know what this means. But I, I, I give everything to you and I I want to build your church. Like, you guys, honestly, I should have hated the church. To say the words, I want to build your church when I had no idea what that even meant Must have been straight from the heart of God and in my DNA for what I was called to do. And now, fast forward 21 years, my parents' marriage is restored. Their relationship with all four of their children are restored. All four of us' children are serving Jesus. And we are following him in our various different ways and spheres of influence. But there was an assignment on my family and on our personal lives to take us out. And I would say to you that maybe some of you are in a place where you're like, gosh, I sense that assignment. I sense that that pushback. And I would say to you today, oh, man, let me just pray. Father, I cancel every assignment over every life, over every household that has come to take out families from following your son Jesus into your loving arms. I pray this morning that there would be redemption and the seeds of redemption would be sown to begin a good work. In Jesus' name. Sorry, that was a random off-the-side prayer. Okay, that happens sometimes. I'm just like, okay, now we're back. So... But what was interesting is it that, that was just the beginning, right? The beginning of following Jesus. It wasn't like, you know what, everything's perfect now. Although, when you begin to follow Jesus, who remembers when you started to follow him? You're like, everything is awesome. You're like, I love my life. Everything is good. There is sunshine and roses and daisies everywhere. Everyone needs to follow Jesus. Why aren't you following Jesus? And then about six months into a year in, the Lord's like, are you ready? I'm like, ready for what? <laughs> this is awesome. He's like, let's deal with some of your heart issues. I don't have heart issues. Who are you talking about? And all of a sudden, the things of your past in your life begin to come up. And he begins to invite us into process. And we're like, I, I would prefer not to come into process. Can everything just be fine and good? Can I check the box of Christianity? I am following you. He's like, um, I'm sorry, no. I'm inviting you into process. You know, I, uh, the love languages. Anybody read the love languages book? You know, acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, quality time. You know, when I come home and my husband is cleaning the kitchen and he is vacuuming, he is going to get his love language later. That's all I have to say. You know, gifts are not my number one. They're not my number one love language. But when the Lord says to me, Andy, I have a gift for you, I'm like, I am all down for gifts. That can be my number one love language, right? So if the Lord came to you today on this Sunday and said, I have a gift for you, would you be like, no, thanks? No, we're all in. We're like, yes, Lord, I will receive what you have for me. But I sense that the way that God gives sometimes can be a little bit frustrating because we're praying for a miracle. We're praying for something big. We're praying for the breakthrough. And he's like, close your eyes. I have a present for you. Close them. And then when he takes out the gift and it comes in the form of a packet of seeds, he's like, all right, are you ready for your miracle? Are you ready for a miracle? We're like, yes. Can I have a different one, though? Because I, like I said, I've been praying for the forest. So can I have the forest right now, daddy? I have been praying for the breakthrough. Can you just give that to me? He's like, no, because I know it's in the DNA of a seed. And I want you to take that seed, walk through process, see it flourish, steward what I've given you. Whether that is through the word of God that he has given you. A prophetic word that he has given you. Some of you are praying for a new word. He's like, I gave you a word five years ago and you were totally disobedient and haven't done anything with it. So I'm still going to give you the same word. You've got a packet of seeds. Maybe it's in your pocket. Zechariah, what does it say in Zechariah four ten? It's going to be up on the screen for you. Zechariah four ten says, "Do not despise." <laughs> I despise your present, Lord. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The Lord is so excited when he gives us a gift, gives us some seeds, and he's like, oh, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to obey? Are they going to walk in what I have given them? Are they going to steward the gift? I mean, here's the deal. This is a seed. Can you see it? No, you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Can you see it? Looks like a lice. No, I'm just kidding. Like a little egg. No, I'm just it's not. But if you think about this, it's like if God gives you this, you're kind of mad, right? You're like, "Wow, well, thanks, Lord. <laughs> he gives you this, you're like, that looks super boring. Now, for the people who actually have gardens, you know of the potential in the DNA that is in this seed. You know that even though it looks like nothing when you put it in the ground, when you steward it, when you water it, when you take care of it, that it breaks, it grows, it puts down roots and beautiful fruit comes from it. But often we don't want to begin the work. Why? Because there is no recognition. There is no pat on the back. There is no good job when you're like, I took my seed to plant it in the ground. I'm being obedient to the Lord. You're like, hey, can I post this? Hey, guys, today I was obedient to God. Can someone tell me good job? This is why we don't begin the work that he has for us often. But do you picture the Lord ever he's like, yeah. Like he rejoices to see the work begin because he knows what is going to come from us stewarding the seed that he has given us. But what we don't understand is, see, great things come from small things, but so often we don't want to walk through process. When the Lord started to bring up my issues, he's like, are you going to walk through this? I'm like, I don't want to walk through this because it gets messier before it becomes beautiful to deal with our issues, to change our ways, to turn from what we're doing and go a different direction, to steward what God is asking us to do. I don't want to do that. I want an easy Christianity. I want a Christianity where it's comfortable, where it doesn't get messy, where I don't have to have confronting conversations in love, of course. Nobody wants that. But this is what we're called into, this sanctification, this change process. And, you know, I I, uh, I I heard this quote once. It said, one in four millennials believe they will be famous by the time they're 25. One in four millennials believe they will be famous by the time they're 25. We're like, ha, those millennials. Look at them wanting to be famous. Except for this is how we operate in the church. We're like, you know, God, thank you. Um, now I'm entitled to everything I want. Why haven't you come through on this? Why are you not doing this? Because I thought this is what my life was going to look like. And meanwhile, he's like, will you walk with me and work with me? I am the prize. I am in every season. I am with you through the highs and the lows. Will you look to me? Will you be with me? Will you walk with me? Will you steward the soil of your heart so that the seeds that I give you can flourish? Because Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this. My thoughts, he's saying to us, he's like, you guys... You're thinking in a different way than I do. He's saying, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Sorry, I went backwards for the the production team. I apologize. They're like, that was the wrong direction. I do this to my team all the time. Bless you. Can we thank the production team? For real, though. See, we've gotta, we've gotta understand that God is looking at your situation, He's looking at your story, He's looking at your processes, He's looking at your life in a totally different way. I never thought I'd move to Australia. I never thought I would move to New York. And who knows what the rest of life looks like, but I am up for the adventure and every seed that God gives me, even though I'm like, God, I don't want to steward this. Why? Why don't we wanna steward this? I remember when <laughs> about six years ago, the Lord's like, I have a seed for you. I was like, wow. <laughs> Can you give that to somebody else, please? He's like, I want you to begin to steward this. And I, I started to look around. This is what I did. I was like, but look at that oak tree over there. And look at that evergreen. Look at the, like, look at the beautiful forest that's already, like, growing. Why do I need to steward the seed? Do you know why I didn't want to steward the seed? Because I knew the work that it would take. I knew the ownership it would take to... Own my process, own the stewardship of what God was asking me to do. And again, maybe the seed that God is asking you to steward right now is your marriage. He's like, hey, you guys... You guys need to turn in towards each other. You need to walk together. You need to go into messy spaces and places so that things can change in your marriage. Maybe it's getting on your knees for that kid. Maybe it's a business plan that he's asked you to do. Maybe it's talking to your family, inviting your neighbor over. I don't know what the seed is that he has given you, but I remember going, I don't want to do this. Because look at that. Look at that. He goes, hey, Andy, don't compare your seed to somebody else's oak tree because I haven't even given you an oak tree seed. And they took the time to steward the seed. That's why they have an oak tree now. Do you know that the comparison is also something that stops us from doing what God is asking us to do, from beginning in a small beginning? Because we're like, I don't need to begin small because I want to, uh, you know, have the oak tree now. He's like, I didn't give you an oak tree seed. I've given you a different life, and I need you to steward what I have given you. And what we become, this is part of the problem. Is we come to church, we 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 go to the conference. We do the right thing. We read the book. We listen to the podcast. We gather the seeds, and then we put them in our pockets, and we don't do anything with them. And then wherever I go, in my city, in my own life, in the cities that I go to, this is another phenomenon that I see in the church: is that we're seedbag Christians, and we're walking around. And we're like, "Look at all my seeds. Look what I got. I read that book. Yeah. I listened to that podcast. Yeah. I didn't do anything with it though. <laughs> didn't change my life." Why is it so quiet when I said that? But the truth is, is we are called into stewardship of what God has given us. And some of us are in a season where it's difficult. It's dark. And we're mad about the season that we're in. And we don't like it. And we would like another one. Anyone with me? Yeah. Those seasons come and those seasons go. I remember when I had my three kids under the age of three. And, um. What I didn't tell you is I was in a season where I had those three kids. I had been following Jesus for about 10 years at that time. And so I'd read the Bible through you know, a few times by that stage. And I knew the word of God, but there was so much brokenness in my life. I was like, how come what I read is not what is being activated in my life? How come I have all these seeds, but I don't see any transformation or change? I am a really great faker though. I mean, cause everyone thinks I'm awesome. So I would show up to church with my three kids on my hips, with my hair and my makeup done, so that everything looked fine. And people like, you are amazing. I'm like, I know, thank you. I'm doing so good. I showed up with all my humans at church today. And then I would go home and my whole household was afraid of me. Because I was a totally different person at home because of my brokenness. I was operating and walking through postpartum depression. It was one of those perfect storms. My husband and I were walking through one of the greatest trials we had ever personally walked through. And then guess what? Everything from my past upbringing, from the abuse and growing up in the cult, guess what? That was the moment. Let's bring this up and deal with these issues. I was like, now? Like, now, now? Because i got to look good at church. But then I would go home and fall apart. And I remember being in this season and, like I said, three kids under the age of three, so they were all in diapers. So I was just, like, trying to figure out how to two, kill two birds with one stone. So I would turn on the sprinkler outside, take off all their clothes and be like, go for it. Do whatever you want out there and clean yourselves off. Right? Because I was tired. <laughs> and I remember uh, washing the dishes one morning while they were out there. And I could see them through the windows playing out there in, in Australia. And, and it was like the Lord gave me this mental picture. He speaks to us in pictures, sometimes we'll maybe see something, and I I saw this progression of a seed underground, and I think they have a picture that they're going to put up, and the Lord said to me as I saw this picture, he said, hey, Andy, you're in an underground season right now. I had quit my job, I had pulled back, I was hiding, I was isolating, and I was like, God, I don't want to be in an underground season because it's dark, you're under the dirt, fertilizer smells, and it's being put on you. And and it's on the top. Water is coming. You're like, like uh, you know, we're underground. But then what happens when we're underground? The breaking happens when we're underground. Then there's the breaking. Oh yeah, we love the bring on the breaking. God, break me. Break me, why? So that the right things will come out of our lives and go down deep into the soil of his love. So that the right things will come up above the ground. So that the right fruit, good fruit, the fruit that is in repentance and righteousness will come above the ground so that we can give that away to other people because we have walked through the underground season. Many of us, see this is cyclical. I wish there was only one underground season. Anybody are like, did it, woo, did my underground season. No, they come and they go and they come and they go. But in that season, the Lord was like, Hey, Andy, I want you to pay attention. Don't mistake this season for something else. You're not on the shelf, you're underground. You're not on the shelf, you're underground. And often when we mistake the season that we're in, we long for, I want the fruitful season, Lord. He's like, You're underground, sister friend. You're underground, brother. You need to stay underground and allow me to do a good work in you within this season so that the right fruit is produced. And when we long for another season instead of going, God, I hate this season. You can be honest with them. But can you just do a deep work in me wherever I am so that I can become more like you in the season that I am in. Don't mistake your season. Some of you believe that you're on the shelf. And I want to say to you, you're not on the shelf. You're probably underground. My parents had a 20-plus year underground season. Do you know they were called into ministry? My husband and I are first-generation pastors in our church. Or in our family line, both of our family line. But do you know my parents were called to pastor a church? But because of what they walked through, they rejected four um, invitations to be pastors on a staff. And then found themselves caught up in a cult. And then 20 plus years later, they move, they get out of it. God begins to restore their lives. My husband and I are called to New York City. And as we're passing through California, where my parents were living at the time, my father is diagnosed with cancer at the VA. And my husband gets furious and he says, you know what, Bob? I just want to say to you that you are going to be healed and you are going to live and not die. And we want to ask you guys to move to New York City to come and help us establish Liberty Church and pastor alongside us. The tears in their eyes. They're like, wait, what? And they said, yes. They mo- My dad's a surfer, you guys. This is a big deal. Trust me. He was with us for almost 10 years. They've just moved back. He's like, I need the surf again. I'm like, fine. So... <laughs> But they established the church with us, and I tell you what, everything that the locusts tried to destroy has been restored to them, and then some. Some of you think you're on the shelf, and I want to say to you, God is doing a new thing in and amongst you, and you are not done yet. Whatever season you are in, there is still hope, there is breath in your lungs. Continue to move forward and believe that God can do anything. You are not on the shelf, but can I say this to you, read your season well. Read your season well. Now, many of you maybe have identified, as I kind of begin to tie this together, you've identified with being the Christian who has a lot of seeds. And you're like, this is offensive. (laughs) I didn't realize how many seeds I had. Maybe it's time for some of you to sow those seeds into somebody else's life. It's time to give. It's time to pour out. It's time to maybe activate a seed where the Lord has asked you to be obedient in something, but you have not been obedient. You're asking for a new seed. You're like, give me another one. He's like, that's the one I gave you. I want you to sow that seed in your heart or in somebody else's life or in your life because I want you to begin a good work that I will bring to completion because I created the seed. I know it's in the DNA of the seed. But Some of you are maybe in a place where it's like, well, what about the state of our heart. Our heart is likened to soil. And this is the biggest thing we have to pay attention to. Because God gives us the seed. He gives seed to the sower and bread for food, right? So he gives seed to us to sow. And he gives bread for food. But but we have to understand that we steward our heart. And Jesus gives us this illustration. And I'm going to read this quickly to you out of Matthew 13 verses 3 through 9 and 18 through 23. And I want you to picture yourself and pay attention to where you believe you are in this progression of the soil of your heart. Jesus said, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and other birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell amongst the thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. And still, other seeds fell on fertile soil. They produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, get this picture? Jesus is a seed sower. He throws seeds out on the hearts of our life. Do you realize even as you watch his teaching with his disciples, he wasn't like, he sowed seeds of truth, of life, of story. He told the truth. And then he wasn't like, you guys better take care of this seed. He allowed the seed to go wherever it went. And the soil is our hearts. So we are the stewards of our hearts. What does this say? Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seed. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that is planted in their hearts. Think about this, these are the people in your world where you feel like you are being obedient to sow seed into their lives because maybe they're not following Jesus or they're in the difficult spot and they look at you like, why do you keep talking about this Jesus? Why do you keep loving me? You know and it feels like they're just rejecting you. I would say to you, do not give up sowing seed into their lives because you don't know what God is doing deep inside of their hearts. The next one, verse 20, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. This can be us in many seasons where we're like, I love that message. I love this podcast. I love this book. But then you walk through a hard time. You're like, I hate the church. I hate this message. I hate these books. Why does everyone keep saying hope, hope, hope? I hate you. No, just me. I've just done that. We have to pay attention to the state of our heart. Verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word but all too quickly. The message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Think about the worry that just hits us like a ton of bricks, you guys. We are living in the most worrisome times. I feel like anxiety, depression, worry, fear, these are all words we're all too familiar with and things that we're all too familiar with. So we hear the word of God, we're like, woo, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to associate. I, I have a worried, burdened heart, so therefore, I don't know if anything's gonna flourish in there because I'm freaking out. This is difficult times that we're living living in, which is all true, but we're still the stewards of our hearts. So we have to pay attention to the state of our hearts. Because verse 23 says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. See, that is where Jesus is saying, hey, if you keep your heart soft, you have a repentant heart where you are turning from your ways, you are You are, if you're walking in bitterness or offense or unforgiveness or anger or fear or shame or worry, you're like, whoo, I repent on a daily basis, sometimes a minute-by-minute basis to go, God, I am sorry for partnering with all of those things instead of stepping into your love and allowing your love to soften my heart. Forgive me for walking in, in unforgiveness. Forgive me for walking in bitterness and offense and anger and clutching onto those things more than I clutch onto your love. Forgive me my heart soft so that when you give me seed, I don't reject it. So when you give me seed, I will sow it. Forgive us, God. We repent. The church is in its greatest hour right now. There is a shift taking place on the earth and if we will pay attention and if we will awaken to what God is trying to do, he's saying, wake up, Western church. Wake up, Western church. Oh, you sleepers, wake up. Soften your hearts. Get on your knees. Let the seed go deep into your hearts and sow it into lives around you. We can see the greatest awakening that we never thought we could see in our lifetime. But we've got to have ears to hear a heart to understand, and a mind to know and look to God. May we take what you give us, God. May we sow it. Soften our hearts, God. We repent, we turn from our ways. Forgive us, God, for clutching on to those things more than we clutch on to you. In Jesus' name, around this room with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to Pray for those that have never surrendered your hearts to Jesus Christ. Jesus is so good and he made a way for us to follow him into the arms of a grace-filled loving God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And we live in a day and age where people say there are many ways to God. There is not, there is only one way to God and it's through Jesus Christ. People say, speak your own truth. No, there is only one truth and it is Jesus Christ. People are looking for the meaning of life and there it is found in Jesus Christ. As we turn from our ways and we turn to his way and we say, Jesus, I wanna follow follow you into the arms of a loving God all over this place. I don't know if you grew up like me in something that was like a cult or maybe you've just been going to church and checking the box of Christianity, but you do not have a radical faith-filled following of Jesus Christ where you daily go, I am not going to live my way. I'm going to live your way. How does this function in my workplace, in my marriage, in my relationships with my children? How does this function with my neighbor? Oh man, Jesus, I want to follow you everywhere. I want to lay down my life. I want relationship with you. It is not about religious duty. It is about a surrender life, a repentant life with a soft heart that is flourishing in and through every season. If you want to follow Jesus. You want to have radical relationship with him and come alive in Christ. Die with him on the cross today. Be resurrected in his life today. Born again, brand new. I would love to pray for you right where you are. All over this place, I'm going to count to three in a moment. Ask you just raise your hand right where you're sitting. And if you want to follow Jesus, I want you to go, that's me. I'm leaving my old life here and I'm walking out of here a new creation. Ready to walk in community, transformed. If that's you. What we're going to do is I'm going to have you raise your hand and we're going to pray a prayer together and you become a new believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. So if that's you, you want to follow Jesus all over this place at the count of three. Just shoot up your hands. One, two, three. Lift them up all over this place. Amen. 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 Come on, shoot them up. Let me see. Yep, over here. Amen. And here, and here, every section. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Okay, you can put your hands down. Now we're going to pray a prayer. And then Pastor Guy, who is just such an amazing leader and shepherd of this house, will lead you into what to do next. But I want you to pray this prayer. Confess with your mouth what you believe to be true in your heart, especially those that raise your hand, but we're all going to pray with them. Say this, say, Father God, thank you for loving me. I believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he came to earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died in my place. And he rose again so that I could have eternal life. I believe that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me in your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just praise God for those that have given their lives to Jesus today. And give it up for your amazing pastor, Pastor Guy. We love him.
1: Thank you, Andy. Thank you for the clarity, too. I remember the night that I received Jesus, there was no clarity to it whatsoever, and I floundered for such a long time. If we can help you, after making that decision, here's what we'd like to be able to do, if you just text us 555-888, pretty simple number, right? 555-888, and then the word follow, and we'll put something in your hands, we'll reach out if there's anything that you'd like to be able to receive back from us, so that we can help you just in taking that next step together you're here today there may be something that's going on in your life it may be a real struggle maybe a crisis of faith whatever it would be our prayer team is here in fact I'm going to ask them to come right now and if you just hang where you are afterwards just stay in your seat afterwards they'll be looking out they'll come back to you and be able to pray with you as well Um, as we're taking off today we actually have a little bit of frog fun that's uh, planned together we've got some photo ops that will be available as well that's going to be taking place in the gym and just to be able to say hi to andy or thank you i mean she's got some of her books that are out there that are in the foyer too if you're interested in those stop by check that out as well Would you stand with me right now as i give you these words may the grace of the lord jesus the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all this week We'll see you here next week as we start something brand new. God bless you guys.
0: We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.